I'm Angie, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. We are the Faith Lift Sisters, four women who love Jesus and who have committed to spending time studying the Bible and growing in friendship with each other. We love being together, and we hope that you will enjoy your time with us. We're going to be studying the book of Nehemiah, one, but before we get there, what what this particular section is about is sin and the consequences of sin. So I thought it might be fun for us to just check out does anybody have a childhood secret that they tried to keep from their parents, hoping they would never find out that they would try? I do have a story. I was probably like eight, maybe nine years old, and my mom had the most beautiful pair of black patent leather heels that I loved so much. And I mean, I wasn't even allowed to touch them. I touched them. <laughs> I went into their bedroom, which again, I was not allowed to. I went into the bedroom, got those shoes, snuck them out of the house, and wore them around in the backyard. <laughs> oh, I thought I had gotten away with it, you know, and kind of was sneaking them back in the house, and my mom was standing there. <laughs> so I was busted. But, um, yeah, that was... I love yeah. wearing them, though. <laughs> well, when I was a kid, my brother and I were thick as thieves. He's a few years older than me. And um, my parents had gone out one afternoon, and we thought it would be a lot of fun to climb on the roof and jump off. We had a parachute. My dad had gotten them from the Navy base. He worked there. And um, so we got the ladder out. And I think I probably was like six, five or six Ooh, years old, and he wow. would have been like nine. <laughs> So we climbed up that ladder and got up on that roof. And of course, you know, a roof's not quite far enough to engage a parachute. But we we were not hurt. We did put that ladder away. And I don't think we ever told a soul. (laughs) It's out now. Yeah. The jig is up. I really don't remember anything specific to like my parents, but I remember the first time I babysat, um, there was a big giant fish tank. And I'm talking like big, giant fish tank. And one of the kids got the fish out of the fish tank, and the fish were flopping around on the ground. And I just remember going, okay, I have to get these fish back in the fish tank before they die, and these parents cannot know, or else nobody's going to trust me to, to <laughs> ever sit again, yeah. much less fish sit. <laughs> so, yeah. And we, we used to always ride double. When we were younger, my mom always used to say, don't write double, don't write double, don't write double. One time, my sister and I were going, I think she was the one in the back riding, and I was I was riding the actual bike, pedaling. And we were going fast because we had to get home. That's why we did the riding double. And we fell and slid oh. Oh, our okay. entire left side. Ooh. I know it's the left side. Everything was scraped, you know, like our little faces. We were like six, we were six and four years old. We were little. Um, Yeah, and we're coming into the house and my mom's going, were you riding double? And like, we're like, yes, we were. It's like, how how can you, how she knew both of us had the left side. That mom sense, yeah. (laughs) Then the question begs, did you ride double again? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I have a really bad history with bikes. (laughs) Remember, she's the rule breaker. I'm the rule breaker. That's right. So, and that's kind of what was going on with the Israelites. They were breaking a lot of rules. They, when we come in to study Nehemiah, it's really important to see what was happening before we get to this point. So as actually, as I was starting to look through this homework and, and trying to study it, I was like, well, how did they even get into Babylon? What happened there? And so you back up and you realize that they had been taken into captivity um, years before, probably about 70 years before. 
And there, before that, the kingdoms were split into the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. I'm like, well, then, why, why did that happen? How did this happen? So it was like, oh, yeah, that happened back in Solomon's time. And, and Solomon was... I kept looking at that going, okay, why did that happen? Solomon had 700 royal wives and 300 concubines. Now, remember, Solomon is the one who was asked for God for discernment. Wisdom. Wisdom. The wisest man ever, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then how did... And so I was going, oh my goodness, 700 700 wives, 300 concubines. I go, that's a little bit of chaos. How'd this start? Then I went back and I was like, well, his dad was David. Then I started realizing, wait a minute. This is sin. I can all go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. Yep. So this is the way sin plays out. This is what sin does when it's there. It breaks things up, doesn't it? It sure does. And it, it creates destroys, chaos. creates chaos. I think about the chaos of all those wives. Oh. Uh. <laughs> I would think mercy. Because <laughs> like then I know women can get together and conspire and do things. Like, he didn't have a chance. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't very wise, I thought. Um, so, do you want to talk to us a little bit about Solomon, other than the wives, the breaking of the kingdom? Well, you know, Solomon, in the beginning, he was the wisest king. Yeah. Um, God really blessed Israel under his reign. They became secure and rich, and um, it was a great place to live. But toward the end of his life, after being exposed to all those wives and different gods, because he didn't just stay married to um, Jewish women, he he got women from all over the world, mm-hmm, right, mm-hmm. that he married. Um, so I think there was a lot of spiritual decay toward the end of his reign. By the time he dies, um, he does have an heir, um, Rehoboam, but not all of Israel wants to um, serve under him. Yeah, And so because the sin is so bad... There's another guy that comes up. His name is Jeroboam. He's not a son. He's someone else's son, Nebo's son. But he decides that he should be the one to lead Israel. So the kingdom split in two. And that is part of God's plan. All along, um, God knew that that was going to happen. So we have the northern kingdom and we have the southern kingdom. So that's... Let's take a look at what was going on there. Terry, if you could read some scriptures. We're going to talk about the northern kingdom first. And the condition of what what the people were like towards God. So I'm going to be reading from Second uh, Kings, chapter 17. I'm going to read verses 9 through 11 first, and then 16 and 17. Um, God had promised the people that if they followed his law and kept his commandments, that they would live long and prosper, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and if they did not... Um, there would be trouble, and they would be taken into captivity and uh, taken from their homeland. So how did the people react? Again, it's Second Kings chapter 17, um, 9 through 11. The Israelites secretly did things against the Lord that their God excuse me, against the Lord their God that were not right. From watchtower to fortified city, they built themselves high places in all their towns. They set up sacred stones and Ashtoreth poles on every high hill and under every spreading tree. At every high place, they burned incense as the nations whom the Lord had driven out before them had done. They did wicked things to provoke the Lord to anger." And then 16 and 17, they forsook all the commandments 
of the Lord their God and made for themselves two idols cast in the shape of calves and an Ashtoreth pole. They bowed down to all the starry hosts and they worshiped Baal. They sacrificed their sons and daughters in the fire. They practiced divination and sorcery and sold themselves to do evil in the eyes of the Lord, provoking him to anger. So what eventually ended up happening is they became worse than their neighbors. Mm -hmm. They were doing things that even the neighboring countries weren't doing. So I have a little fun piece on this. I want to talk about a word that I found when I was in it. The word is called extispacy. E-X-T-I-S-P-I-C-Y. Or the way I like to say it is extra spicy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> extra spicy. So does anyone know exactly what it is? I've never oh heard that word. Goodness. I found this when we were when I was looking through some of the things they did. So it's a bad thing. Just very clearly it's okay. a bad thing. So I'll give you three choices and you guys can vote on what you think it is. Ooh. The first one is it's a form of divination. The second one is is adding a deadly element to someone's food, such as like a poison. The third option is placing dead animal parts around an enemy's dwelling to bring evil upon them. Wow, we are starting out this podcast in a fun way. (laughs) I'm going to go with the last one. Um, The dead animal parts around the dwellings. Yeah. I'm thinking maybe the first one. Divination, a form of divination. Mm. How about you, Suzanne? Because of the fact that you said that you like to think of it as extra spicy, I'm going to go with the putting something in someone's food. (laughs) That was my best tricky one. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So what it really is, and this is gross too, like none of them win. This is really bad. Mm -hmm. It's a form of divination where they would cut open an animal and they would read the entrails. And particularly they would want to read the liver. So I'm sorry if anybody's having breakfast right now. I'm just going to say. <laughs> yeah. But it's pretty bad. That's it's bad. It's some bad stuff. Yeah. And they ha- they've done archaeological digs where they have found these furnaces where they were sacrificing the children. They have found this stuff. This, is, this was really bad going on there. And God was telling them, stop. He's sending them prophets, and they're not paying attention. Yeah. Yep. Prophet after prophet, again and again, to warn them, to right. warn them not to do it because there would be such terrible consequences. Another part that I was looking up, I looked up the word forsake. In there, it says uh, loose, like it, you loose, you abandon an idea, you step away. Apostasy is a part of that. Okay. But not forget. Mm. So this was intentional. There was they weren't forgetting this; they were just intentionally moving away from it. Yeah. And I think that's an, another important part of this. Mm-hmm. So when the kingdom split, the northern kingdom was the ten tribes, mm-hmm. right? Right. And then, um, which interestingly enough, that is not Solomon's son who rules right. the northern kingdoms. It's the other guy, Rehoboam. Right. No. Hmm. We're looking into this. Right. Is this right? Was it Rehoboam? Jeroboam. 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 Okay, that's going to be a fun part of this podcast, by the way, (laughs) is keeping all the names straight and saying them probably incorrectly every single time we say them. (laughs) We'll do our best on that. It's kind of a crazy Right. It's a lot of Boams. (laughs) (laughs) Does anybody else have anything else they wanted to say about the First Kingdom, Northern Kingdom? 
I'll tell you one thing that um, really struck me, especially reading that Second Kings passage, is um, so often we hear people say the world is just getting so much worse. The world is getting so much worse. The world mm-hmm. is getting so much worse. But the reality of it is we are not throwing our children into the fire on a regular basis. Right. This That's is true. not society. It's not what society says is acceptable, um, you know, and all kinds of things. Um, and I just, it, it really hit me this morning that this was super, super messy. The world we live in now is super messy, but this was like the ultimate of messes and that Jesus came for that sacrifice and he is the one who has made it so that we never have to live that way again. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's just yeah. my little, and my little, my little trail, rabbit trail mm-hmm. there, but it just really struck me. It was like, the world is better because of Jesus mm-hmm. and because people have Jesus and the world is better than we give it credit for. Mm-hmm. Because most of our laws came out of the Ten Commandments. So as we become more and more Christianized, mm-hmm. um, we have established some things like you can't throw your kids in the fire and burn them up to worship yeah. another God. Right. We just don't. And, and that's kind of been accepted by a lot of people around the world. I mean, we have had a huge influence um, the Church of of Jesus has had a huge influence on the laws all around the world. Right. Um, so yeah, we are. You know, if if we stay within those boundaries, we are we're going to be in much better shape. And in the last few thousand years, we have. Mm-hmm. So one I, of oh, I'm sorry. Okay. okay. One of uh, the things that they said is that the people had become stiff necked, mm-hmm. and they rejected the covenant. It became worthless, and I think um, that we can do that too. When we become stubborn, when we become stiff necked, and we turn away from what Jesus has for us, and um, the boundaries that we have um, around, you know, that we've set around because of what He wants for our lives, um, we we turn to sin more easily. We get hardened hardened to the um, idea of it. We become hardened to the consequences, and I, you have to be so careful to stay um, tender toward Him. I think. Well, there's just something in the heart of man. We want to be the master of our own ship, mm-hmm. so. I think we always have a little bit of that rebellious thing. I want to do it my way. Mm-hmm. Okay, God's way is this way, but that may not be my way. And so there's 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 a tension, a struggle. Who's gonna whose way is gonna win out? Yep. Yeah. Sin again, back to sin. Yeah, back to yeah, sin. Yeah, God has tremendous patience. I I and this is a piece and, and that part about the ba- throwing the babies into the fire. I wonder if what we do is abortion. Mm-hmm. If that's the thing here that we do in a modern way. And I'm not going to dive into it. We don't need to dive in it. But just kind of keeping it like that could be our modern way of doing this. We need to pay attention. God is very patient. Mm-hmm. God is saying this is, this is what you need to do. But checking out, are we stiff-necked? Mm-hmm. Check out, well, how are we doing? What are we doing? When we read the, test, the Word of God, we're always going to be looking at how, what am I doing? Where am I in this passage? How right. am I treating God? What's God's character towards me? Is there any behavior that I'm doing now mm-hmm. that could be 
reflected in this passage that I need to think about, right? right? The piece that I want to add in that, because I didn't um, add in the abortion piece and just looking at it, is God's a forgiving God. Mm -hmm. He's a loving God. He will meet you every, every, every time. So please Mm -hmm. don't let that hang on you. Don't let that be a part of it. So So let's move on to the second kingdom, the southern kingdom. This is Judah. This is Solomon's son. Yes, <laughs> yes. Rehoboam. So, but only two tribes. The northern mm-hmm. kingdom had ten tribes. The southern kingdom has two. Right. Right. And what happened in here is they had three kings, and we're going to go through each of the kings. And I'm. Well, let's go to the first one. Okay. So the first one um, is King. Jehoiakim, and I think I'm saying that right, but I make no guarantees. He was 25 years old, and he reigned for 11 years. And that is, um, all things considered here, a a pretty long reign for him. Um, But he did not have a good relationship with the Lord at all. Um, In fact, in 2 Chronicles uh, 36, it says that he did evil in the eyes of the Lord his God, which is... um, that's a pretty significant saying, I think, mm-hmm. that if, you know, I mean, we all have those days, um, but for the whole entire summation of his personality to say he did evil in the eyes of the Lord his God, that's a big deal. Of all the sentences to get in the Bible, that's me. Right. I one. mean, how, is, how would you like to be remembered as that? Man. Um, so, since he was naughty... And since he uh, was troublesome, um, Nebuchadnezzar was a neighboring king, and he was the king of Babylon. He came in, he attacked, he shackled, and he hauled King Jehoiakim to Babylon. And when he did that, he also took um, some of the valuable articles from the temple. Mm-hmm. So he said, okay, we're done with you. This, it's time to move on. And didn't he, they take some of the um, nobles or people who were educated at the time? I think they went on this one, right? Yes, um, I believe that's correct. And uh, I believe that Mordecai was one of the people who went along with King Jehoiakim. And Mordecai had a lot of influence. Um, Mordecai, Mordecai, Mordecai. <laughs> Um, was Esther's uncle. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's not really part of our story here, but um, Esther had a huge, huge part to play um, and influence in um, lots of lives. So Mm -hmm. anyway, but Mordecai went along with him there. And I think Daniel was also one of the ones that went into captivity at this point. Yes, same time frame, general yep. time frame. Yep, so right. he, he kind of gathered up. This first round was um, kind of an all-skate and gathered all kinds of people and took them with him, not just the king. So, yeah, so well, I think the custom was to take all of the young nobles. Um, they were the educated class. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was just the way they did things. So you wouldn't necessarily kill off all the nobles, all the educated people. You would bring the people in who had been rulers or administrators and put their talents to work for the, for the conqueror. 
And they would leave a good portion of the poorest of the people in that town that they had conquered to work the land and to provide more stuff for the conquerors. For the conquerors. So So the second siege um, was King Jehoiachin. Um, He was 18 years old. And he must have really been bad because he only got to sit on the throne for three <laughs> months and ten days. That is crazy. It's crazy, isn't it? But we know he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. That's what the word says. Um, he was actually sent for by King Nebuchadnezzar and taken to Babylon with more of the temple articles. So I think, too, the temple articles kind of were the wealth of Israel. Mm-hmm. You know, they were all the golden pieces, all the bronze pieces, the things that God had instructed them to make for the temple. So that's, it's not just that they were religious articles, they were wealth articles. Mm-hmm. Um, so now this time Nebuchadnezzar has taken a second whack at the things, the wealth of Israel and the resources of Israel or of the Jews. Yeah. And the third siege, um, the king at the time was King Zedekiah. He was all of 21 years old, and he reigned for 11 years. But as the others did, he did evil, and he did not listen to the prophet that was sent to him to warn him and to try and bring him back, um, and he became stiff-necked. So God handed them all over to Nebuchadnezzar, and he took all the rest of the articles. There's nothing left in the temple at all. In fact, he um, then destroyed the temple and the walls and burned all the palaces of any of the nobles um, in Jerusalem. So they are left with nothing. Basically, if this is your fantasy football picks, these are really bad picks, and you're going to lose, <laughs> is the thing. But as you were all talking, what I started noticing, the progression of sin. Yeah. When we sin against God, there's um, what happens is we lose precious resources. Mm-hmm. We lose connection with people that are important to us. As we, and then the next progression is we lost more things. We lose more resources, mm-hmm. more things that connect us with God. With God, we miss that. That's gone. Mm-hmm. And then finally, our temple is destroyed. Our temple's destroyed, and we're gone. And to me, that's such a progression of sin. Yep. As in, in I how think it's we... a good picture as mm, well. Yeah. yeah. But God's been so merciful all along. He's tried. Uh, you know, he's reached out. Mm-hmm. He's sent prophets. You know, mm-hmm. Jeremiah was a pretty strong guy. And yet, mm-hmm. um, these, this king in particular withstood his prophecies. Yep. Wouldn't so turn he back. just would not mm-hmm. turn back from his sin. So what do you think God's heart was towards his people at this point? What do you think God was thinking? Oh, still try and think about when your kids are having trouble. You know, you're even more moved to do whatever you can to try and help them. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that God was feeling the same way. You know, he he certainly wanted to restore his people. Absolutely. He did Mm -hmm. not want them to be at a distance. He did not want them to be a conquered nation. They were supposed to be the pride of the earth. Exactly. But there was a point they they just couldn't turn back. There was no yeah. remedy. Was that no remedy. Yep. About? Yeah. yeah. Those two words. Yeah. I was just going to say, the prophets that came along with each wave of of return to um, Jerusalem, and in this third wave. 
which we're going to go into on day two. Okay. <laughs> um, they were really important. They were really helpful. And God still kept going towards his people. So that's a okay. good point, Terry, in that he, we go into exile. We went into exile not because God hated. And for us, it's not because he hates us. Right. It's a way to say stop. Stop. Stop what you're doing. Getting our attention. And they needed time to get their attention. Yep. Five kings. Right. Jeremiah mm-hmm. prophesied through the lives of five kings. So they did have warning after warning after warning, king after king after king. Right. But sin does yeah. separate us. And all God always says to them is, turn back to me. Yeah. Just right. turn back Just turn to me. Back. I'll forgive. We'll move forward. Mm-hmm. And that, that's how, what did God say to them? How did he want them to behave in exile? To um, lay down roots, to marry, have children. Um, Get on with life. Yeah, live your lives. Grow, grow in numbers. Mm-hmm. I, I, essentially, he just said, bloom where you're planted. This right. is what I have That's for great. you. This is where I'm sending you. And yeah, you really messed up. So this is why you're here instead of being where I told you you could mm-hmm. live. Mm-hmm. But it's time to move on. And now this is your new new and this is your new normal. And so this is where you need to flourish. You got you to gotta figure it out here and you need to live a good life in the place that I've given you. Mm-hmm. That's right. really good, yep. Suzanne. Right. Yeah. Yep. And so that sometimes when I think about for me, one of my biggest sins is sugar, quite flat out. And it's like when God moves me and says, I need you to go in this eating plan over here. You no longer get to go into the your promised land of the bakery. You, <laughs> we're back to cupcakes. Yes. I know, we're yeah. in cupcakes again. But I want you to flourish, and I want you to eat healthy food. I want you to eat good things for you. So he's not like a punisher, and now I'm going to put my foot on your neck. It's not like that. It's that this is what's going to work better for you, because I can help you see what's good for you. It took him about 70 years to do this. Yeah. A lot, three, gener- three, four generations, I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Well, because Possibly you've got to more. figure the first generation probably felt kind of sorry for themselves. You know, now they were gone. They were captive. Um, and I think that's just human nature. You lose what you had, and the, your first reaction is going to be, well, gee, I like that. And so you feel a little sorry for yourself. Then it takes mm-hmm. time for that to change. And God's advice was, really, you can't feel sorry for yourself now. Make a life. Right. Make a life for yourself here. And um, after you've done that, that'll be good exercise. Exercise those muscles of what does that look like? How's that going to be? The same thing for us. I think we make a mistake, and our, our first tendency is to think, oh, God's mad at me. Mm-hmm. And as long as you live there, you'll never, you'll never move forward. Right. So even for us, we make a mistake, and God says, okay, now, Pick yourself up here. You know, I'm forgiving. I'm restoring. You may not get out of this place that you're in, but you got to pick up and start moving forward again with me. Do that, and then we'll get you back on the track that I had for you in the first place. And it's all in community. By the way, he never exiled them from himself. Never. Never from his own people. No. Never. Yeah. That's yeah. great because he didn't. He kept them together. They were allowed. They went in big bunches, mm-hmm. even into exile. Right. It's not like he just yeah. took three or four and then scattered everybody completely to the four winds. They still had community. So here's a question. Most of us will never be exiled from our home. 
that's just the reality of it. Uh, there are people in the world who have been exiled and will continue to be exiled from their home, but um, we're fortunate enough that that is not going to be the reality for the most of us. So what does it look like in our lives to experience that exile? I mean, how, you know, how does that work in our everyday lives? How do we see that? And then how do we see that promised return? I think a lot of people talk about being in, quote unquote, the valley or the dry, a dry time in their relationship with the Lord. And maybe um, you've stepped back a little bit, maybe to indulge in a sin or... um, Whatever the reason is, you've been hurt and you just kind of back away from God a little bit. Maybe blame Him, be I think angry, that's a big one, or whatever. Yeah. And um, so when you're in that place, I I think that could feel like you're in exile, and not that God sent you there, but because of your own circumstances and how you're reacting, it you have exiled yourself away from Him. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. Absolutely. It's a wilderness. I had a friend. Um, Her son passed away, and I continued to walk in faith as a Christian, but I was so mad. I was so angry, and my heart was hardened. What eventually happened, and this was three years later, this is me walking through stuff, still claiming and knowing the truth, but my heart was so hard, what I started feeling was this emptiness, Mm -hmm. and this emptiness towards God. And so him and I had to have a talk about it. Yeah. He never left me. Right. He didn't do anything. It was me that created mm-hmm. my hard heart towards him. Yeah. Well, because we have expectations of God. Some of them are, you know, not the right expectations. You know, we know that we're going to have some trials and tribulations in this world. But Jesus promised that he would be with us during those times, not that he would spare us from right. every trial and tribulation. Right. Um, but I think we still kind of think that if we're Christians, we should be spared from any of that. So when the reality of life hits and we go through our trial or our tribulation, I think it's very easy for us to get mad and blame him. It's like, hey, I'm your girl. How can this happen to me or my kids or my friend's son? Um, and I think that God is patient with that. He certainly knows our makeup and how we think and what we're going through. I think that can be another good step, though, in learning that He is a good God, that we make decisions sometimes, or things just happen out there in the world. Um, but that doesn't mean that God has abandoned us or forsaken us. As long as we stay in relationship with Him, He's, he's, he's as close there. as you know, yeah. lifting my eyes up or saying His name. Mm-hmm. He's right there with me all the time. But the enemy will lie to us, certainly, and say, well... He's mad at you. Yeah. You did that or you thought that. He's, you know, he's not going to hang around that kind of attitude. Yep. But that's not true. He's he is in me. Once I receive Jesus as my Lord, then I have the Holy Spirit in me. How how could he be far away from me? When he dwells in my spirit. And there are so many questions and so many hard questions when you're saying we go through our trials and tribulations. One of the ones that was happening with me is I kept asking God why. We always want to ask God why, and I and I deal with this with a lot of people. It's like, why did God do this? Why was this happening? Why did this happen? And in that particular instance, with with my girlfriend's son dying, I was like, yeah, all right, we'll have this conversation. You ready? 
First off, I want you to know, actually, I really do talk to God like this. <laughs> he gives me grace and mercy yes. and stuff. But it's an honest conversation. I said, Absolutely. first off, let's get real clear. There's not one thing you can tell me that makes it okay for him to die. There was not one thing you could have told me. Mm. And I just said, okay, ready, go. <laughs> it was like <laughs> your turn. And then where, where I heard, and it's just this knowing in your spirit. It isn't an audible voice, but this knowing in my spirit was, I love you. I was like, oh, don't play the love card. Uh-uh-uh. Talk to the hand. Mm-hmm. I was I was so hurt. She's a tough So incredible. So incredibly hurt. And it was like, I love you. And I keep and I was after a while what I started realizing is there's nothing you can say to anybody who's lost a child. No. There's nothing you can say in most no. situations. What we need is the very presence of God Himself. Mm-hmm. And we need to be able to experience and let his love come in. And as I started to do that, my heart of stone turned to a heart of flesh. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, there's a lot of boohooing going on there. There was a lot. Sure. It was that one piece I didn't want to give him in that whole process. And that's what I kind of see him doing here, too. They're, they're like, talk to the hand. We're not going to talk to you mm-hmm. or whatever. We're, go through all those kings. Yeah. Yep. Um, I think it's that question of ultimately, do we trust him or not? Yeah. You know, and there are plenty of characters through the Bible who have had to face that question. I think all of us as believers face that question surely more than once in our walk with him. Do you trust him or not? Mm -hmm. No matter what it looks like, no matter what's going on, do you really trust that he loves you and that he has your best in mind? that he loves you and he's not going to ever forsake you or leave you. Mm-hmm. There's a couple verses here that are, <clears throat> excuse me, talk about um, how what you see um, God's heart in afflicting Israel. Why is the question why? And in Micah, it says, um, you know, who is a God like you who pardons sin, forgives the trans of the remnant of his inheritance. You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us, um, and you will be true to Jacob, show mercy to Abraham, as you pledged an oath to our fathers in days long ago. So God, the original promise keeper, and what he's saying is, you know, about God, he is full of mercy. He's full of compassion. He just wants you to come back so he can forgive you. And don't forget you made us a promise. And mm-hmm. so he reminds God, you know, you made a promise to Jacob and to Abraham and we're still we're still holding you to that. So do you, do you think God forgot? Oh no. <laughs> no absolutely not. And and then you know these um Specifically, you're talking about the nation of Israel, right? which we are not the nation of Israel. But we can still cling to these promises mm-hmm. because of the fact that once we are in the family of Christ, by accepting that Jesus is our Savior and that He is the way, then we are adopted into that nation. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. And, 
And yep. so that's how we can cling to these as well. You know, not we can look at them historically and know that those are promises for the nation of Israel, and that that as a this was way before Jesus. Mm-hmm. The nation of Israel was way before Jesus, um, so they didn't have him to cling to. So they had to go to God and say, "Hey, don't forget, don't right. forget, don't forget." Yeah. Even though God, of course, didn't forget, mm-hmm. um, but we don't have to do that because, you know, the gift of Jesus. That's right. So, and I also look at the book of Nehemiah, actually the entire Old Testament, just like you were saying, we can look at the geographic things going on. Like we're going to be talking about building this wall and what does the wall do? What we know is we're creating our identity in Christ. We have our identity in Christ. So the Old Testament, even though we might be talking about land or we might be talking about rebuilding, with us, we're not rebuilding walls, like we, we aren't exiled from our country, but we need to rebuild things within us. So we're going to see that theme throughout Nehemiah. Return, rebuild, renew, mm-hmm. just connection, restore. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. We're going to see it throughout this book, mm-hmm. and it's the Old Testament. So this will be fun. Sometimes people think the Old Testament isn't fun. Love it. I love the Old Testament. And when you see how um, the old and the new eventually dovetail, and I love the word dovetail because there's no, um, uh, what's the word, no cracks where they kind of fit together. together. They just dovetail together perfectly. And there's no, there's no, what, separation. separation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So as we notice this, anybody have anything else to say on God's heart or... I think it's big. It's big. Thank you, God. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Um, Well, who would like to take us out in prayer? I'll pray. Okay. Father, we thank you for this time together. Lord, we love you, and we are so grateful for your awesome love for us. There's no one like you, no one who is wise like you, no one who is powerful like you, and no one who loves like you love Mm -hmm. us. So, Father, we thank you for this time. We pray, Lord, that as we've um, talked over your word, that it's gotten deeper and deeper in our own hearts, and we pray that those who've been listening um, will feel the same way, that they've absorbed a little more of you today. And, Father, we thank you for that and praise you in the mighty name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Ha <laughs> <laughs>